0: The Behavioral Corner is produced in cooperation with Retreat Behavioral Health, where healing happens. Hi and welcome. I'm Steve Martoreno, and this is The Behavioral Corner. You're invited to hang with us as we discuss the ways we live today, the choices we make, the things we do, and how they affect our health and well-being. So you're on The Corner, The Behavioral Corner. Please... Hang around a while. Hi, everybody! Welcome to the Behavioral Corner. Here I am, right there. Steve Martirano, your host and guide, and how it works. We hang on the Behavioral Corner and we run into the best people in the world. Today is no exception. Incidentally, it's all brought to you uh, with the great cooperation of our underwriting partners, Retreat Behavioral Health. They provide not only the finances to get the engine going, but some of their people who are the best in their field. That's uh, the case today Uh, with a pal of the show, no stranger to people who found us and and kind of follow us. That's Grace Schober. Grace has been a great friend of the program. We welcome her back for you. You are just meeting Grace. She is uh, not only involved in retreat, uh, but she's also the house manager of a couple of sober uh, living facilities in the Lancaster County area called Grace House. Maybe she can tell us a little bit about what she does there as well. Hi, Grace. First of all, hi. Hi,
1: Steve. Hi, everybody.
0: For a peek behind the scenes, uh, I have been uh, messing around with my technical problems for two days now.
2: And <laughs>
0: Grace has been very, very, very patient, and I apologize. And she's very, very busy, as you might imagine. So I want to get right to this. I told Grace a while ago I want to do something on the 12 steps because I find that they are misunderstood by many people. And uh, a mystery to others who know sort of something about the 12 steps, but not really, you know, what they are specifically and what they mean. The 12 steps, in case you know nothing about this, are the foundation, really the starting point for how the uh, AA or Alcoholic Anonymous, uh, the foundations upon which their fellowship and their support begin. It all starts with the 12 steps. And we're going to take a look at. The broad overview, because Grace is an expert, she is in long-term, very successful recovery herself. She told me the other day that she's old school about 12 steps. Big time. Believes them in her soul to be the way for her and many, many others towards sobriety. So I couldn't ask for a better person on this one. Grace, let's begin with sort of garden variety dumb question, which I get paid to ask. And that is, why are they important? Why are the 12 steps important?
1: 12 steps are important because they are the only thing, medically, scientifically, and otherwise, that is proven to work to keep people sober.
0: Okay. The only thing is interesting. We'll get back to that a little bit later. But, again, these are 12. Well, It's the
1: only thing proven. It really is. Yep.
0: The uh, 12 steps are just that, 12 individual items, very clearly written in the big book, which is the guide. Uh, mm-hmm. For uh, AA, uh, it has their traditions in it, it has their history. It, it, it's chapter and verse on what AA is all about. And the 12 steps are just that 12 very specific things that a person seeking sobriety must work their way through in order to have any success in uh, handling substance abuse and, and the like. So they're important because you say they're the only thing that works. Let's get to that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Because I'm interested in taking a couple of these specific steps and really analyzing them. And the first three, I said to you the other day, I think we can roll into one. Because I'll, I'll I'll read step one to you so you understand where I'm coming from. Step number one of the 12 steps. We admit we are powerless over alcohol or substance abuse and that our lives have become unmanageable. That's step one. Two says, we have come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. So again, one and two are almost about the same thing. One, it's unmanageable. I have not been able to do this. I have no power to make anything better. Number two says, if I cannot do it, there must be a power outside of me that's greater than me. Again, it's an affirmation of your powerlessness. Mm -hmm. And the third is that you must make a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of, it says God very specifically, Mm -hmm. uh, but then it adds, as we understand him. So we'll break them down a little bit individually. But am I right in assuming that those three are essentially about one thing?
1: Yeah, those three are grouped together as like, I can't do it,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. myself.
1: But a lot of people get scared with the first word, like in the first step where it says, Admitted I was powerless over alcohol, right? I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't get hung up on words, never really totally did, but that one did kind of annoy me slightly because, like, I didn't want to feel powerless, you know? And all I was hearing was, you're powerless. No, I'm powerless over alcohol. Oh, well. I'm not powerless over other things in my life. There's other things I can, you know, contain, kind of control and like balance. It's just alcohol is not one of those. So if we look at it that way in terms of not like, oh, we're just powerless in general, it's just over this, the substance.
0: So Grace, if we acknowledge that the first three steps are about powerlessness, Mm -hmm. how does somebody, and you've been there and done this, how does somebody, you know, reconcile that? I mean, you've got, you know, you have a huge problem, you know, it's ruining your life, you know, if you continue doing it, you're going to die. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now you find a program uh, or a support that says, "Okay, just admit you can't do anything about it. You're powerless. Well, why wouldn't that just stop you in your tracks going? Well, it's hopeless.
1: Well, again, everything's in the eye of the beholder. You know what I mean? So of course, we have to play a part. You know what I mean? Like we have to play a part in the whole thing. What we are absolutely unable to play a part in and what we absolutely have to surrender to is our addiction and is the alcoholism. So it's like, we cannot fix the fact that we have the disease of addiction, but what we can do is follow these things to stay in remission. You know? So it's like, no, we're not able to control alcohol, but we can kind of guide and control what happens to our life going forward. So it's yeah, it's like a double-edged sword. You can say you aren't the one who's responsible and, and, and you aren't totally, but you have to play a part. All
0: right. So let's use an analogy that people might understand in this context. And I know it's used in the fellowship and I've heard it in your business, your field, which is uh, mm-hmm. substance abuse uh, treatment and recovery. And that is they use the uh, diabetes model. In other words, yes. somebody says, oh, you've got diabetes, your blood sugar is whacked. About it. Mm-hmm. You can't of yourself, you can't just go into another room and say, OK, well, I won't be a diabetic anymore. Right. You're powerless over the disease you have. And then the doctor's going to say to you, but if you do these things, yep. you don't have to die from diabetes.
1: Exactly. You can say remission. Yep.
0: So that's what we're talking about. When we say powerless, there's no magic wand. You've got a disease. You can't do anything about it because you got it. But here are some things that can help you manage this thing and get it under control. You use the word remission. I know that in the fellowship, there is a firm belief that you don't get cured of this. Is that right?
1: No, it's actually almost the exact opposite because like right in the beginning of the big book, it has the word recovered in it because you can recover from it. I think in my opinion, that it's opposite of that. Yes, it can come back. We know that like relapse is a part of the, the process, but we don't want that to be a part of the process, right? We want to recover. And the point that w- why we say recover and recovered is because if we continuously work these 12 steps throughout our life, we will stay recovered, you know, but the problem is we start getting time. Like, and I can attest to this totally. We start getting sober time and you start letting certain things fall off a little bit. You know, maybe you're not helping as many people. Maybe you're not being honest really anymore over here and this and that, holding more resentments. And so if you're not working those steps and like keeping yourself in line, you're going to fall off. Um, But if you just follow those things, the old school model, that's why old school, they would tell you, yes, you're recovered. You know,
0: Mm -hmm. this is a very rigorous program. There's no getting around it. As I understand the 12 steps and the fellowship, this is about working it. And paying mm-hmm. close attention to what these steps are telling you to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I begin to get a better idea, and I think I hope other people will that this notion of powerless, while it seems illogical after all, if you don't have the power, how are you going to fix it? I think I got a better idea of what that means. It's more about managing than. Well, it's,
1: and it's so ego-driven, isn't it? Like we just oh, sure powerless over one thing, you know, like we want to hold the key to everything and what I say to people is, you know, there is an entire cuz when we talk about the first three steps and I know like you pointed on that the word god is in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um there is an entire chapter for for we agnostic it's called for people who don't know. You know, there's not like a chapter for people who like absolutely say no and don't believe, but what I will tell you is this cuz the word god, that's the word I choose, right? If that's the word that bothers somebody, change it, change it if you want to. But all you have to know is I'm not everything like there has to be something else, regardless of what that is. And that might be somebody doesn't believe in God, but somebody believes in like mother nature or whatever, What you know, something like that. I don't don't do the doorknob or the chair. That's all dumb, you know. But (laughs) if you really believe that you are the grand purpose, then you will, and you're the only, the most important person in the world. At that point, then you would not be able to get mm-hmm. through the steps.
0: Yeah, I understand that, and I also understand because I've read a lot about AA and its origins. And as you know, it grew out of a religious movement. The first group, the group that was sort of inspired the AA mm-hmm. movement, uh, was the Oxford Group. Yep. And that was a re, it was a faith-based organization dedicated to helping people who had crippling alcoholism so i understand where god the origins of the word and the greater power notion is uh, i also remember reading about the the great psychiatrist carl Jung, who early on was trying to treat someone with alcoholism and at some point he recognized that psychiatry wasn't going to help this person
2: mm-hmm. that mm-hmm.
0: they needed a and he said it and this is not a guy who went around talking about god a lot young uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: said you need a spiritual awakening yep You need to speak to somebody about your soul, even though Jung probably didn't even believe in that. He said, because classical psychiatry is not going to help the situation. So I understand the origins of that word. And I understand that over the years, it morphed and widened so that people who are put off by that notion would still have access Mm -hmm. to the program. So I get all that. I guess what I'm thinking of is it's almost, and again, it reminds us, the first steps, you must humble yourself.
2: Yep,
1: absolutely.
0: In the face of what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, you know, that applies to a lot of things. So I don't know why people would think it would be unusual in this context, but I get all that. Let's move through just a couple of others. I know your time is pressed. You're so great on this issue. First of all, let me ask you a question. Yeah. When you when you first got involved and, and decided, I'm going to do this, I you know I'm powerless and all of that. And you saw the 12 steps for the first time and you went through them. Did you think I'll never get through this list?
1: (laughs) Honestly, no, I I honestly looked at it and thought. okay, like, what's the point type thing? And I did what I was told, but I only did it like. Very surface level, you know what I mean? Like I would kind of do maybe I like sort of like, okay, I can't drink. I kind of like do number one. I'm not really sure about God. Maybe, maybe I'm in charge of everything. And then I'd be like, I know I have to like write about like who I need to apologize to, but I actually would rather talk about the people who need to apologize to me. So like, I would do like different steps in different ways because of how selfish this disease actually is. And I did the steps many, many times because I was in treatment so many times. And the last time I did it was the only time. And I like, and honestly, and I know you've heard my story and everything else, but for people who, who are listening, I was a bottom of the barrel junkie, you know, living on the street and everything else. So I know what I'm talking about, you know, when it comes to this stuff. And the only thing that after all these treatments, everything I tried, I tried to go to church every day. I tried to hate God. I tried to go to all these other meetings, blah, blah, blah. The only thing that worked for me was when I was absolutely jumped right into those 12 steps. So I can't, it's impossible to say it didn't work. Like I was one of those people. And truthfully, when I got sober the last time I wasn't like super pumped, you know, I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. Just like because I'm being told to give this a shot, maybe it works. And maybe it doesn't, but if it works great, you know? And so that's what people got to do. They have to give it a shot.
0: You can't minimize the importance of getting to that point where you accept, as you just said, a lot of things that don't make sense and you don't even know about, who knows. But except for the moment that what the hell, I'll try this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. Be- before I go into the uh, into step number four, which which really stops me in my tracks when I think about it. Does it matter in the order that you do the 12 steps? Do you have to do them in the order they're there?
1: Yep. You have to do them in the order. Um, Now, there are some that are like when you get to step like, for example, step eight, you're writing out the people you need to make amends to um, and you start making amends in step nine. You don't need to finish all your amends before you move to step 10, 11, 12. You wouldn't want to do that anyways. You want to get through the steps, but you continuously are doing step nine. As long as you started that, you started making amends, you can move to the next one.
0: Okay, so the order is important. Let's look at four. Uh, make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves what does that mean exactly what are we doing here i mean you know you're a mess Mm -hmm. you know you're going to die you're sick and tired of all that you understand the times you stole money and all the stuff you did when you're in the grips of the uh substance abuse how hard is it to be honest in that step
1: step four is a house cleaning that's exactly what they call it but here's what i know i know that Nobody loves to take a look at themselves and what they've done wrong. Right. So I know that to be true. What I also know is I was never like super afraid to kind of like write these things down and be like, you know, whatever. It's just a list. Like if you say, okay, this is going to help you writing a list, it's going to help you stay sober. You're going to start writing, you know, and you're just be like, you maybe don't understand it, but you start doing that anyways. And then, you know, things start to change and you're you're putting things down. But let me just jump back on something real quick. If I wouldn't have done step one, two, three first, okay, right. Right. I would never be able to see my part in any type of bull crap that I was in when I'm trying to write my list about who I've harmed. You know what I mean? Like I have, yeah. you have to... St- mentally, spiritually kind of like get to a point where you're like, I know this person hurt me. Here's the part I played. What can I do better?
2: You know what I mean? Um, And I
1: know that a lot of people relapse on step four um, because they, you are thinking about the things, you know, that you've done, the people that you've hurt, like all that kind of stuff. And that it's painful. It doesn't feel good unless you're a sociopath, you know, to be like, Hey, this doesn't feel good. So I understand why if you don't go through it quick, like people do absolutely relapse on those things. I think the hardest thing is understanding that there are other people out there who absolutely have done or understand the things that you've done.
0: Yeah. Step five talks about it uh, following from four. Naturally, you've made this inventory
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: an admission that, to, you know, either to your God or, or to some other person. The And I'm going to quote this precisely. Mm-hmm. The exact nature of our wrongs. What does yeah, the okay. exact nature mean?
1: Yeah. So we look at things when we're like looking at like, what did we do wrong? And we look at things like, was that to cause anger, jealousy, bitterness, you know, was that to like manipulate somebody? Like was the nature of what I was doing to manipulate somebody so that I could take their money or use them for this or use them for that? What, what was the actual cause? Was it jealousy? Was it manipulation? So we're trying to look for like, what was our character defect? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In other words, it's not enough to notice that you've been in a car crash and just go, wow, I've been in a car crash. This is the step that says, take a real good look at how that happened.
1: Yeah, I'm in but, a car crash because I was I was on my phone texting because, you know, whatever. That,
0: exactly. This 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 accident just didn't fall on top of me. I wasn't driving properly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Be
0: br- brutally honest about the nature of the. Uh, That's of a great the,
1: analogy to you, Steve. I love it. You know,
0: and then six talks about, again, six seems like a reaffirmation here. So you've done that. You, you've admitted powerlessness. You've taken a, a fearless inventory. Then you admit that and, and understand, the again, your exact role and how that happened. And we get to six where it says sort of, OK, you've done that. Now, are you ready to admit that this other greater power than you can relieve you of these deficits, these character flaws that. So it's kind of like a pause and go, okay, got all that. Now I'm willing to buy into there's something else that can help me. Is that what six is?
1: Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what six is. I mean, you're, you're literally taking a breath, taking a breather um, mm-hmm. to, to just admit that like, listen, all this stuff don't need it anymore. I need somebody else's help, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely critical in order for seven to make any sense at all. Because seven says humbly, asked that these defects and shortcomings mm-hmm. can be removed from you. Um, if you haven't achieved six, then you're never going to be able to go. Okay, help me get rid of this.
1: Exactly. Yep. Exactly. It has to go in order, and it just has to be like that word when it comes to like the program. If you are not humble it doesn't work. Again, that comes back to the entire thing that like, I'm not in charge.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we, I mean, uh, the, all the expressions, the, all the cliches we've ever been, uh, subjected to growing up start to make even greater sense. I mean, pride goeth before a fall. And, you know, the great Greek tragedies were always centered for the most part I Not always, but for the most part, the Greek heroes failed because of pride. Pride was always what took people down in the eyes of the Greek gods. Mm -hmm. You're not the center of the universe, and that's why you're in the trouble you're in. So you begin to understand a little bit about what these steps can mean in action. Mm -hmm. Before we move into a couple more steps quickly, do people have the occasion of like having to start over again? Maybe go get stuck someplace and go back to the beginning of the 12 steps and see where they made mistakes? How does that work?
1: Absolutely. People can, can redo the steps at any time. The most important thing is like, once you go through the steps, you do find a relief because it's almost like that procrastination thing where you're like, I know this has to be done, but it's, you know, I'm, So if you get through it quickly, there is a relief. You always can restart. I've restarted the step several times and go back through because what I put on there about like the selfish things that I did or like the wrong things that I did, they didn't just stop during active addiction. Like I'm still human, you know, so I have to go back and like correct these things while I'm sober or else I end back up where
0: I was. It sounds like the same process that you would follow in a gym, where you set up a workout program and go through it, get yourself in a certain amount of shape, but you can't stop there. You've got to keep yep. doing it. You have to, in maintain. Order to maintain the level, right? So, uh, again, I said it was a rigorous uh, discipline and, and it certainly is. Grace Schober is with us from Retreat Behavioral Health and Grace House or Sober Living Facilities, taking us through the 12 steps. Uh, eight is a killer for me. Eight is uh, the one that says, make a list of all the persons we have harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. It would seem to me that one could get stuck on eight for the rest of their lives, because let's face it, whether we're in substance abuse situations or not, we manage to hurt a lot of people in our lives. Tell me about eight for you. How, what was that like?
1: So the thing about eight is, you know, it it always throws in the word willingness Um, and willingness doesn't mean you're ready to do that right then and there. It just means like maybe at some point you will, you know, it's not like you're closed off totally, Ah. you know? And what I will say is that when you work with your sponsor, they're absolutely, my sponsor just called me the other day and said, should I apologize to my ex? Like, yes, but not right now. We're like in the beginning stages, maybe like a year when things have calmed down because you don't want to cause more harm than good. Like, here's another example. If you stole a bunch of money, OK, or a bunch of drugs from a drug dealer, you're probably not going to go back to that drug dealer and say, I'm sorry, you might get killed. Right. Mm-hmm. So What you will do instead is you're going to put a couple extra dollars in the basket at the AA meeting or you're going to donate to St. Jude's at the end of the when you're paying at the cash register, round up your amount. You, you have to give back. You know what I mean? You aren't necessarily able to to do that at that moment. And it's not safe maybe at that moment. Um, and then there are also going to be amends that just pop up in front of you. And you're just like, oh my God, like, it, it happened to me. And I was just like, I forgot about it. It wasn't even on my list until I saw this person, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is mm-hmm. a continuous, just be willing, don't totally shut off no forever, but definitely have guidance for who and when you want to
0: yeah, it's an excellent way to describe it, because uh, I know I thought what it was, was a list of 200 names or 50 names or whatever. And then you sit there making phone calls or mm-hmm. arranging to meet people. And, you know, in addition to yep. what you talk about, a, a dangerous situation, trying to make amends in a dangerous situation. Yep. There is also trying to make amends in a situation where the person that you have harmed isn't ready to hear it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And guess what? That's not your problem. So the thing is, proof is in the pudding. My brother didn't talk to me for like four years until I was four years sober. I made an amends right away, you know, but I had to prove myself. I had to prove that like, okay, I'm not going to just like say all this stuff and then it's going to be done, you know, but my job to do an amends is not to apologize. Okay. We've done that so many times. We're supposed to say, you know what, this is what I did wrong. I know this is why that happened. And this is what I'm doing to make sure that doesn't happen again. Because you don't want to make promises and you don't want to say you're sorry. It just doesn't mean anything, right? So once you say that, and if somebody says, forget you, or I don't forgive you, that's okay. Eventually, they probably will. But you did what you were supposed to do. And now you have to walk away.
0: Well, you know, that's that's so so, uh, terrific. A description of step number nine. Uh, direct amends where mm-hmm. possible, it yep. said. Your description of, well, maybe you put a couple of extra bucks in, in uh, the basket at church or maybe whatever, volunteer at a food bank, whatever.
2: Yeah,
0: yep. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get that completely. These steps are reinforcing previous steps. So 10 is continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admit it. That's just a review where we are. And if it's happening, see if you can fix it right there. Mm hmm. Um, remember it's not-
1: going through the steps. Remember going through the steps too. that. You're human. Don't be upset with yourself. If like at the end of the day, you're like, you know what, I really shouldn't have flicked that person off in the driving lane or whatever in the passing lane. Like you are going to do things. I just don't want people to like look at the end of their day and say, oh, my gosh, I wasn't spiritual all day. I messed up, you know? No, that's not how it works. You are working this progress and work when you work at something. I didn't just learn how to do it immediately. It took time, you know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I just want to remind people, like, take time. Don't be super hard on yourself. You know, if it's not like absolutely perfect, as long as you're being honest, it will work.
0: Yeah. That sort of clears up a little bit of 11. Step 11 says, sort through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with, and the word God's here again as we understand him praying only this is key here for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out when you were going through the steps and even now do you, i know you i know you're a religious person uh, but do you pray often uh, or meditate
1: so I'm definitely more spiritual than religious. I do believe in God. I just don't believe in some of the punishments that come with, like what, you know, they say, like certain things in in religious aspects. Certainly for me, it was kind of difficult. But that's when you get to step 11 and you're just like, "Listen, I have to do something. I will tell you right now the only perfect thing that I do is pray." That's it. And I pray in the morning and I pray at night and everything else in between. I suck, you know, like most of the time, you know, I'm just like human in between. But in the morning, when I get up, I just thank you, God, for allowing me to wake up and please help me to help somebody else. At the end of the day, thank you, God, for allowing me to make it through the day. Please let me wake up sober. Whatever. Like I used to think when you did a prayer, it has to be lists and you have to list every person in your family. If you forget somebody, they're going to get in a car accident, a whole thing. It's not the case. It's a short, talk to anybody you don't need yeah. to say dear God you just say I need help
0: yeah can it also mean again for those people who just are not going to get their head around God because uh, meditation is in here meditation as I understand it is not prayer it's Mm-mm. it's going inward can 11 also be thought of as uh, someone uh, going through the steps is getting ready to go to bed and their their last thoughts are as they quiet their mind, the best they can. Okay, that was today. I did those things. Tomorrow, I'm going to try to do the same thing. Is that the same as what you're talking about?
1: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I often think, if I can be personal for a second, that yes. while I spend a lot of time acting like I'm uh, pessimistic about stuff, I'm in fact a pretty optimistic guy. I'm usually going to bed throughout my life thinking, well, I get another shot tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. get another shot tomorrow. Right. And let's just try to make the best of it. So 11, well, it looks very religious and very, and you characterize it for you as praying. It doesn't have to be that specific behavior. Nope,
1: okay. nope. absolutely. I have I, a friend of mine. She meditates. Prayer isn't what works. She just like sits there, quiets her mind. For some reason, my mind just doesn't love to be quiet. So prayer works better for me some people do both you know one or the other so yeah it's really individual on in that but it's either like the prayer or meditation you know to something
0: uh grace i want to i want to get to 12 quickly because 12 uh which goes on about having you know by this point you should be having this spiritual awakening as a result of these steps mm-hmm. and then try to carry this message to other alcoholics and to practice these principles in all your affairs this is i guess the proselytizing step this is where when someone says how did it work for you
2: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. you say i did this i did these things are you saying to someone and this goes back to what you said at the very beginning are you saying to that person in that moment this is the a uh, way to get sober or this is the only way to get sober
1: Personally, for me, it's the only way to get it not listen, anybody can get sober. You can go to detox, dot, 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 dot. It's the only way, change the wording a little bit, that you can stay sober, in my opinion. I mm-hmm. think anybody can go and get off the drugs and alcohol if they really wanted to, and they're lucky enough to get into a facility or whatever. But it's it's what happens after, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my
0: opinion. If you work your way through them now, you you really haven't been working on the specific or singular issue. Of using. Mm -hmm. You've been working on yourself. Because that's what it is. We're the problem. The alcohol and the
1: drugs are the solution. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I love you, love the feeling of like, you just don't love the consequences. You know what I mean? It just doesn't, the positive, negative list. But, you know, at the same time, when it comes to step 12, and I say this all the time to people who are like, if I ask people to speak, if somebody says no, I let them know that they're selfish because I'm like, okay, so like somebody, gave you their story and it helped you get and stay sober because it is like a lot of that stuff and you're unwilling to give that back for free. Like you got it for free and you're unwilling to give it back, you're selfish.
0: Yes, I know. Because for many people who I talk to and they ask me about AA and the 12 steps and my answer, and again, I'm over here because I've mercifully been spared these problems. But I say to people, does it work? Does AA work? It sure works for the people it works for. And you can't tell them it didn't.
1: Let me put it this way. It works for the people who work it.
0: Because you know that there are people who are fortunate in one sense
2: mm-hmm.
0: to have walked into their first meeting, mm-hmm. listen to the other people. They all have the same initial reaction. I ain't them.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: When they get over that, and realize they are them. They often then go, well, this, but this is not for me. And they leave the fellowship and they get some of them get sober. So. You can say they, you know, you can't very well say to them, "Well, no, you didn't." I mean, they they did, right?
1: Well, here's the issue. Okay, mm-hmm. my it is very difficult to change my mind on certain things when it comes to AA in general, only because it was a learned experience. I was one of those people who were like, "I don't want to be at this meeting," you know. I but I'd rather be in the trap house, you know. Like that's pretty much what I was choosing. Everybody, when it when it comes to the steps, is responsible for themselves you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and i know it's like it's hypocritical almost uh, and you said like kind of like oxymoron like you're you're not supposed to do this but you are supposed to do this you know mm-hmm. type of thing
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but that is what it is i mean there are still choices that we have to make that lead us to like different things it could lead us to a good consequence it could lead us to a bad consequence but all i know personally is all the people like when you said They left the fellowship. They went to smart recovery, celebrate recovery, whatever. Okay. Everybody that I know personally that has stayed sober and maintained sobriety, and that's a lot of people that I know work the program. Yeah. Okay. Continue to work the program. And I do also know very sadly many people who I got sober with four, five, six, seven, eight years sober because they aren't working a program, think they can drink again and they're found dead in their apartment with a needle in the arm. That is how it is.
0: Yeah, Grace, this has been great. This is maybe the best primer I have ever heard. And I've read a lot and heard people talk about it. Very few people are as open as Grace is, as you can tell, she speaks what's on her mind. I so it's, it's been a great jumping off. for, as I told you, I would like to talk to some of the, your people who are in recovery to not do this so much, but maybe pick one or two of the steps and tell us what their experience with it was personally, I think that would shed even more light on it. I just want to leave with this and see if you agree or not. The program strikes me, the more I hear about it and understand it, as the ultimate expression of what the uh, philosophers call pragmatism. And pragmatism, easily understood, is the good is what works.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, that's what Henry James said, and he was sort of the father of pragmatism. The good is what works mm-hmm. so you hear people talking about aa is crazy or nonsense not for the people who work it because it works
1: you're not kidding you're not kidding it definitely does
0: uh, Grace great thanks so much honey
1: thank you so much
0: thank you all for your time as well don't forget wherever podcasts are podcasting look for the behavioral corner retreat behavioral health has proudly been serving the community for over 10 years here at retreat we believe in the power of connection and quality care. We offer comprehensive, holistic, and compassionate treatment from industry leading experts. Call 855 802 6600 or visit us at www.retreatbehavioralhealth.com to begin your journey today. That's it for now. And make us a habit, hanging out at the Behavioral Corner. And when we're not hanging, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, On the Behavioral Corner.